In the course of trying to reorganize my library one day a few weeks ago, I ran into a little book that I haven't opened in literally years entitled Love is Like a Crayon, which may be not the most scholarly title on my shelf, but it includes the actual words of real children and their comments about love during interviews conducted by a Michigan psychologist whose name is David Heller. And I've used some of their words over the years in things like devotions and preschool graduations and sermons, but I opened it again to refresh my memory and thought I'd share a few more of their words with you, since today's reading from the Gospel of John is obviously about love, and what better day to talk about love than Mother's Day. For example, on the topic of how love gets started between two people, eight-year-old Manuel says, I think you're supposed to get shot with an arrow or something but the rest isn't supposed to be so painful. Nine-year-old Bart says that people in love just stare at each other at the restaurant while the food gets cold. The other people care more about the food. Arnold, who is eight, echoes the thought by saying that when people are in love, they act all mushy like puppy dogs, except that puppy dogs don't wag their tails as much. Too much information, Arnold. An eight-year-old Wendy says that when a person gets kissed for the first time, they fall down and they don't get up for at least one hour, which I had forgotten. On the other hand, seven-year-old Walker says that love means never hating somebody just because they're different on the outside. Nine-year-old Janet gave the book its title when she wrote that love is like a crayon because it comes in all colors. And finally, in response to the question of whether there's as much love in the world as there used to be, seven-year-old Julie says, yes, it's always the same amount because God would never play favorites when it comes to love. And while those words are obviously adorable and humorous and in some cases remarkably wise, they also show that there are a lot of different ways to understand what real love is, and I would suggest what it isn't, which may be why the Greek New Testament actually has four different words for our one four-letter word in English for love, and they are the word storge, which is family love, and philia, which is friendly love, and where the city of Philadelphia gets its name, and eros, which is erotic, passionate, or sexual love. And then finally, there is agape, which is unconditional love. It's God's love. It's love in its highest form. And that is actually the word that Jesus uses in today's reading from the Gospel of John, which comes in a section of Scripture that is known as the farewell discourse, or you might say the famous last words of Jesus, because John situates it after the giving of the Last Supper on Maundy Thursday of Passover week in the upper room in Jerusalem. And as Jesus and his disciples are making their way out of the city, down through the Kidron Valley and back up into the Garden of Gethsemane on the night before his arrest and crucifixion on Good Friday. And so it's the timing of the words as well as the words themselves that make them so powerful and so profound. As Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father loved me, so I've loved you. And then he says, abide in or live in my love. And then he says, no one has greater love than this than they would give their life for their friends. And you are my friends. 
And then finally he says to them, I've said these things to you so that you might love one another, so that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be complete. And in the context of what was about to happen to him in the next 24 hours, those words weigh even more heavily on us, as the last words of our loved ones always do. And while I don't know that I'll cover all the bases when it comes to what love really is all about and also what it isn't, there are a few things that really jump out from these nine verses of Jesus' famous last words that I do want to share with you on this Mother's Day, beginning with the fact that while we often define and understand love to be a powerful feeling or an intense emotion, the truth is that it's way, way more than that. In fact, some people think that it's, it's something that's primarily different from that. And so uh, when couples come into my office to talk about their wedding plans, I will often point out the words of the late Christian psychiatrist and author M. Scott Peck, who taking his cue from the writings of St. Thomas Aquinas, famously said, that nobody ever really falls in love. What we fall into, he says, is attraction. And when the attraction begins to settle down, that, he says, is when the relationship either begins to fall apart or real love, true love, or what he says is the real work of loving begins, which suggests that for him, Love is an action, it's a choice, it's a decision, it is a willful commitment, it is a sacrifice, it is an act of surrender, and it is an expression of, of service and sacrifice. And with all due respect to eight-year-old Manuel, sometimes love can actually be very painful given the fact that for Jesus, love was a cross. And so I will remind the bride and groom-to-be that in spite of what they've seen on TV or in the movies, the words they will say on their wedding day are actually not the words I do, as if to imply how they feel on that happy day. On the contrary, the words they will share with each other are the words, I will. I will love honor and cherish. I will do it in joy and in sorrow. I will in sickness and in health. I will in good times and also in the hard times. Because at the end of the day, the question isn't how do you feel? The question is what will you do? And while love obviously includes feelings and powerful emotions, and we all know that, it's way way more than that, at least for Jesus, for whom love was the cross. And that's really the context for the other thing that Jesus says in the passage when he goes on to say to his disciples on that night before his crucifixion, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. You will live in my love. And the question is, what does that mean? And what is the commandment that he's talking about? Well, that would have been 
very fresh in their minds given the, the new commandment that he gave them just hours earlier in that upper room in Jerusalem in the course of Passover Seder when he said to them, my new commandment is that you love one another so that we love God by loving each other. And loving each other and loving God are like two sides of the same coin. It's like Matthew 25 where Jesus says, when you did it for one of these of the least of my brothers and sisters, you did it for me. And so love is action and surrender and sacrifice and service. Love isn't just two people staring at each other across the table while the food gets cold. Love is the mother who works and sacrifices and raises those kids in faith and life, not because they're no trouble, but because they are worth it to her, even though by the time she sits down to eat, the food is already cold. Love is the person who takes care of their spouse when the going gets tough and the marriage isn't quite as much fun as it used to be. Love is the neighbor. It is the friend who delivers the food, who runs the errands, who does the chore, who listens to the pain in ways that are everything but mushy. In the next several days, Pastor Nick is going to be interviewing the members of our 2021 confirmation class in preparation for their confirmation day later this month. And I've had the honor of doing that about 24 times over the course of the years here at St. Andrew. And I don't know what questions he's going to ask them, but I do know that among those that I have asked over the years are questions about the Ten Commandments of all things, which are uh, divided into two primary sections known as tables. And the first section or the first table includes commandments one through three, all of which have to do with our relationship with God. And the second table includes commandments four through ten, all of which have to do with our relationship with each other. And so I will say, what is the summary of the first table of the law? The answer to which is, love God. And what is the summary of the second table of the law? The answer to which is love each other. And so then I will ask, well, then what's the summary of the Ten Commandments? The answer to which is very simply love. And sometimes I can see the light bulb go off above those kids who thought that the Ten Commandments were just a list of do's and don'ts that don't really apply very much anymore when the fact is that what they really are are a roadmap to true love in its highest form. Except that now our motivation for abiding in those commandments, keeping those commandments, is not fear. It's not shame. It's his love for us, for whom love was the cross. Or you might consider a picture of a picture that I took a few years ago when our daughter Lauren and I were visiting the National Civil Rights Museum in Memphis, Tennessee, depicting a young woman holding a sign with the profound and powerful question, can a man love God and hate his brother? The answer to which, in a word, is no. And the same goes for a woman and a sister, by the way. 
And in case you wonder whether that's really true and you wonder where that young woman got that powerful and profound question, you might try looking up 1 John chapter 4, verse 20 in the New Testament, where you will find it written to every man and every woman and every person who claims to be a brother, a sister, a follower of Jesus Christ. Well, with all that said, you may be sitting there thinking to yourself, uh, you know, this guy is making love sound horrible. Like it's a downer, it's, it's, it's miserable to love somebody. And what I'm here to tell you is that nothing could be further from the truth. And what I mean by that is that while love for Jesus really was a cross, a sacrifice, a giving of his life for his friends, what he got out of it was resurrection. What he got out of it was Easter and a world full of people who for 2,000 years have been loving him right back, including a group of people who have gathered from at least 30 different countries right here at St. Andrew. What he got out of his willful commitment and sacrifice is you. And to him, that is worth it. And now you get to look at yourself that way. And you get to live that way. And what do you get by loving God, by loving one another? Well, Jesus tells you right there in John 15. You get joy. You get his joy. You get completeness for your life. And I'm not talking about happiness that can come and go. It can ebb and flow with our circumstances. I'm talking about that inner, deeper, spiritual joy that transcends all of our circumstances. And, and when you have that, when you have that joy, his joy in you, then friends, you are just about invincible having discovered just how far true love can go and what sort of sacrifice it is willing to make. But there is one other thing I want to point out, which is that if saying that love isn't just a feeling or an emotion implies that it isn't a feeling or emotion at all, that isn't really the case either. Especially if you look at passages in Scripture, like Isaiah 43, where God says, You are precious and honored in my sight, and I love you. And so I will give nations in exchange for you. Or Proverbs 3, where it says that the Lord disciplines the children that he loves as a father disciplines the son in whom he takes delight. Or John 3.16, where Jesus famously said that God so loved the world that he gave his son. Or John 21, where Peter says to the risen Christ, you know I love you, to which Jesus says to him, then feed my sheep. Because that's what love does. That's what real love sounds like. That's what true love in Jesus really is. Or as the kids would say, love's like a crayon. It comes in all colors. Love means never hating somebody because they're different on the outside. And with God, 
Love is always the same because God never plays favorites when it comes to true love in its highest form. The love of Jesus in you and me, through you and me, for your joy and for the hope of the world. Happy Mother's Day. Amen.